How's it going, guys? Your boy, Stice. Today's podcast is about how did Stice Life come about? What was it um, that made you name yourself Stice and then add life to the end of it? So, to start off, my name is Steven Lopez with a V, or my mom will get mad. Lopez, background, I'm Colombian, born and raised over here in New Jersey. Uh, first generation, my brother and over here. I like to tell people I'm the dream, right? Because all uh, everyone that comes from another country comes over here to live this uh, dream of the U.S. where all these possibilities happen and stuff like that. Well, we know the truth. But yeah, living the dream, basically. Um, so Stice Life was really something that started uh, in high school when I played football. I played football um, for Creskill High School. I was a tight end, um, but I was a blocking tight end. I was good, but I wasn't like a running or, you know, go out for passes kind of guy. I was more of the guy that made a big hole so that the running back could come through and score the touchdown or get the yards. Um, but I'd love taking out people and I love taking out that inside linebacker on his blind side so that he could just you know he would be out so putting him out uh was was something like cold as ice right so my name is Steven they just added an ice like stice you know like just cold as ice you know stice is cold as ice it wasn't anything like that not even life added to it and as we continued uh, going, you know, I ended up leaving, uh, finishing high school and all that. And fast forward later on in life where, uh, you know, when I started to really train and, and get into it like that, um, I ended up, um, you know, adding life to it. And I also, you know, I'm very big on motivational speaking. Uh, my favorite motivational speaker is Les Brown. My second favorite is is uh eric thomas the hip-hop preacher and there's a ton of other ones that people that aren't even motivational speakers they make great great motivational speeches just like kobe bryant joe rogan jocko uh um just uh, david goggins just to name a few there's so many that people should be looking up at in um youtube it's been such a huge help to me in my fitness in everything and I want to give you guys the whole story on, on how it started, but I know it's going to be very long. So I'm going to try and chop it up as fast as possible so I don't go over the hour because I didn't know this until my last podcast, but uh, they cut your ass off after an hour over here. So hopefully they um, extend that so that I can talk more since, you know, I love doing this shit. Uh, but anyway, so uh, back in, I want to say shit. Back in, um, don't quote me on these dates because I'm not sure. Uh, my wife and I, we moved um, over here to Fairlawn. We moved, I mean, we we found the only, because we didn't have any money, we found the only one-bedroom apartment in Fairlawn right above this, like, uh, little, like, barbershop. Anyway, got in there. 
And I was a bartender for a very long time. So, I mean, this time I was giving up bartending so that my wife can go back on tour because, you know, we had two kids and, you know, my son, uh, he was a little bit older. I believe he was maybe like two or three. And, you know, <clears throat> Savannah was four and a half. Um, but anyway, my wife toured, uh, my wife dances for Alvin Ailey. Uh, she's been doing that for a while. She's an incredible, incredible dancer. And, um, and yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm lucky that I have an incredible woman and she's, she's nice and, and all that. But not only that, I was turning into a full-time father. I never in my life thought I was going to actually be a full-time father and have my wife support me in that case. And, and if you know Spanish people, we don't do that. You know, the man's always the, you know, it's very much old school. My father, I come from that old school where my father, it didn't matter even if my mom had the ed education or the better job. It's my father that paid the bills and he worked all day and, and shit. That's how it was. Shit, I never saw my father. You know what I mean? I only saw my father on his days off. And that was only at dinner time because motherfucker just slept all day and just chilled and had shit, everything taken care of. My father was, was, so, late, was, so, was so lazy that <laughs> I remember the one time he uh, went to the hospital. They gave him one of those bedside kind of little, uh, it looks like a pitcher where it's, it's like bent over and you take a leak in it. My father stole that shit and he has it in his house to this day. To this day and and he'll fill that shit up and leave it there and you know when he when he gets tired he'll get up and drain it out but i mean when he's sick my mother takes care of that my mother um incredible woman you know spanish traditional always takes care of the the men of the house i know some of you look and frown upon that but that was their generation and that's how it was um anyway i was raised in that so i didn't get anything like that my parents didn't come to games or anything like that you know it was very rare when my mother would show up to a game or stuff like that but besides that moving forward so my wife and i moved to fairlawn and you know we were in this little one bedroom apartment now we you know decided to give that bedroom to to savannah and thanos and we bought them these loft beds from ikea <clears throat> And we bought ourselves like this pull-out sofa. I mean, it really didn't matter because my wife was going to be away for the most part. And it was just going to be me on this freaking sofa by myself. Um, because she traveled, you know, it was, she would do an overseas tour that was pretty much like a little bit over two months, almost close to three. And then she would come home, she'd be home for maybe a month and then she'd be back gone. Oh, no, she'd be back uh, for maybe like two and a half months. And then she'd be gone for another almost four months doing her u.s tour so it was just it was the years rolled over and i knew that um and so when we moved to fairlawn i was i was really thinking about that and i was like man this is gonna be tough you know i have to learn all these things luckily my wife showed me how to do their hair and all this stuff now i when she went on tour i'm not sure the 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 year. So I'm just going to just talk about it. But when she went on tour that, um, that year, it was tough on me. It was so tough. You know, just imagine being home with a three-year-old and a four-year-old. And that's the only conversation you have. 
you know, other than watching and doing Instagram and stuff like that, you're locked in this little box. It's almost, it's, I don't want to say it's like prison because I I've never been, and I don't, I don't want to frown upon it. I know people do their time and become honest and great people, but it was very much, uh, I was isolated, you know, I can go outside and I can do whatever I want, but I mean, I didn't really have anyone over here. I didn't have anyone in, uh, in Fairlawn that I knew like that or had friends or anything like that. So I was, I, I looked up gyms, what I do know. I've always worked out in, in my life. I've been a trainer and, you know, I, I wasn't doing that for a little while because I was doing the bar thing, but I looked into my local gym, which was retro fitness. And I was like, okay, I never had to deal with, with childcare because you know I didn't have any kids. So it was always just like sign up and go and work out. It wasn't an issue, but now I have two kids. Can't just leave them with anyone. I can't leave them at home. And my parents live too far and you know, I just wasn't going to leave with them. So I was like, all right, let me find out. So retro fitness in my neighborhood had childcare at that time, twice a day. It was eight to 12 and then from four to eight. So I was like, shit, let me sign up, let me find out. And I asked my wife if it was cool. She said, yeah. So at that time, I signed up, did the child care. Now, I was more so looking at it as I'm going to get at least four hours a day or six hours a day of break because the child care is three hours. Now, I didn't know that there was an hour requirement, but since I was, I was getting pretty close with the people over there, they didn't really care. I would actually leave them there for three hours. I would check up on them during the, my session, but I would be working out for three hours. I would do an, about an hour of cardio and then two hours of uh, hardcore training on whatever body part. I wasn't thinking of anything. I was just going. As I continue to go, I mean, within three months of hitting it that way, and I'm talking about every fucking day, we're not taking breaks. The only breaks that we're taking are the are the body parts that are are resting on the ones that we are working on. You know, so if I did chest today, chest was going to rest tomorrow because I'm doing back tomorrow. So there was no, oh, when do you when do you rest? I I don't because I had I had this thing where I was just the thing with exercising that I started to realize I was I was relieving a lot of stress. And wasn't, wasn't, you know, just started seeing my body change right before my eyes. And I was building more confidence and the confidence continued to come and come and come. And I was starting to see a new, a new Steven that I've never seen. And I also be, because I was a father now too, I was just had it in my mind that I didn't want to look like my dad. I didn't want to look like the dads that I knew when I was growing up. I just... I'm like, why does it have to be like that? That whole that whole little uh, dad bod thing. I'm like, fuck that. No, we're going to change what the dad bod looks like. I want to be Debo dad, okay? So I put in some serious work. And uh, my body changed completely in three months. People started to approach me and... They were like, yo, are you going to compete? Are you going to compete? And I said, uh, to be honest with you, I, I never really thought of it. I don't know or anything like that. But then I really started to think. I'm like, man, I'm pretty much, I'm down to like 10% body fat to just guesstimate, give or take. Because um, when you start showing uh, abdominals, 
your, you know, your two rows, the top two rows of your abdominals. And it starts really starts coming in almost, almost. It just starts coming in a little bit of hint on that bottom third row, the really stubborn one. They say you're at 10% and then you'll get to the single digits. Once that bottom row really comes in, you're at the single digits. So I already kind of guesstimated that I was at 10% and I was like, fuck, doing really good. So I'm like, how the hell can I get a coach and get into this bodybuilding industry? Now, I didn't want your typical coach that everyone does now. It's like, you can find a guy online, you can pay him 150 bucks, he'll send you a a diet plan and a program, but he's never there physically. Me being a trainer, me being the person I am, I'm like, fuck that. I'm not, I'm not getting a coach that I'm never going to see until the day of my competition. And then we're going to chop it up and what build a relationship, even though you gave me a meal plan that you probably gave another 50 people so they could just quickly make some money. No, I want you to show me what it's about. I want to, I want your hands on my, on my body and let me know that I'm targeting and I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to be doing at the time that I'm supposed to be doing the rest, the everything. I'm very much selfish in that way. And I remember training. Um, I remember, uh, when I was bartending in Harlem at, uh, Harlem Tavern, I had one of my regulars, her name is, uh, Sirico. Um, she was a trainer and then became a woman's uh, figure competitor. And I mean, she was Jack, but what she did, she looked incredible. And I remember her and this other uh, bodybuilder that would come in over there, Chico, a Chigo, um, that would was Jack. And she was a pro bodybuilder. She had her pro car. Was telling me about their coach, this guy by the name of... Uh, big KD and he was out in the Bronx. Now I live in Jersey. The Bronx seems kind of far for me. And I was like, shit, if I'm going to have to go into the Bronx, I'm going to have to pay that, that toll that $16 every day and then the gas and then all that, but whatever, there's a will, there's a way. So, and then on top of that, I don't know how much this guy's going to charge me and all that. So anyway, I got the info. I called the man and he said, just come on down and we'll talk. I drove over there. His, his gym uh, was all the way by like the Bronx Zoo. So that shit was about an hour away in a drive without traffic. With traffic, we're talking about an hour and a half, almost two sometimes. Anyway, got there and it was this hole in the wall gym that was maybe, nah, I don't know, maybe not even a thousand square feet. It had to have been like 800 square feet or 900 square feet. But I saw all these pictures of all these bodybuilders. I saw all this great equipment. I saw this man that that you could just tell he was passionate about what he did. He wasn't about the money. You can tell he can make he can make more money and have a bigger facility if you wanted to. But it wasn't about that. It was about the passion for lifting. It was about building competitors and building champions and just changing people. This guy was really, really passionate. He's still there to this day. Um, and I talked to him. I let him know, hey, look, man, I don't have that much time because my mother's watching my kids and uh, I'm really interested in bodybuilding. I, at that time, like I told you, I was like at 10% body fat. People were complimenting me all at the gym, but we're talking about a regular gym. All right. Not a, not a real professional like big KD that's seen 
uh, big time bodybuilders. So I, in my head, thought, yo, I got it. I mean, for him to look at me, he's going to be like, hell yeah, we're going to be pro by, by in a year and blah, blah, blah. Told him, I'm like, look, man, I want to bodybuild. I don't know what class because I didn't know anything of anything. I want to bodybuild. Bodybuilding is the main class. Those are the big guys with the with the speedos on. So I was just like, he's like, you're not big enough is what he told me. And I said, you fucking kidding me? I'm bigger than everyone in this room. I'm big enough. And look at me. I'm thinking in my head. I didn't say that to him. I was like, are you serious? He says, yeah, man, you're not ready. And, and he's like, and I wouldn't put you in bodybuilding class. I would put you in classic physique. It's this new class that just came out. I think you would do great, but you need to, you need to train a lot more, brother. I can see a lot of underdeveloped muscles. Your shoulders aren't there. Your chest isn't there. Your back isn't there. You're not as conditioned. Um, uh, your legs need some work. I mean, he pretty much broke me down to a place where I was just like, Shit, all those hours that I've been putting in at Retro and people complimenting don't mean shit because I haven't done shit. And so I told him my situation. I'm a father of two. My mother's watching my kids. Uh, I don't have money, man. I really don't. I mean, my wife pays the bills. I would hate to ask her for some money on some coaching because we're not, you know, we're stretching right now. And he goes, it don't mean shit, man. Don't worry about it. He's like, I just want you to show me the commitment. I want you to show me that you're committed. And you know what? I took that from Big KD. When I take on a client, real quick snippet. When I take on a client, I just want to see commitment. It ain't about the money. It's really about the commitment. I don't want to waste. I don't want to not say waste. I don't want to spend and put in all this time in you, even though you pay me. If you're not going to be serious and all my work goes to shit. I would much rather someone that paid me half of the money showed me the commitment. And that to me is the biggest payout because then in return, I've changed you physically and mentally and you're so much more grateful for it. But Benny, anyway, back to what I was saying to KD said, I, you know, I don't have money and stuff like that. He was, he was just like, it's all right. I just want commitment and you can pay me whatever you can pay me as you go. We have a little file cabinet over here. I'm going to write down your name in, in one of those little uh, vanilla envelopes, uh, vanilla folders. And you just put in your money every time you come in here. And, you know, we work on what you got. Okay. Sounds good. So I said, when can I start? He said, when can you come in? How often can you come in? I said, well, this is a long drive and it would cost a lot of money. So we decided to do Saturdays and some Sundays every Saturday. So he gave me homework on what I should eat, what body parts to train, because the one that we were going to train on Saturday was the one that, you know, it's, yeah, it was going to be a mind fuck. So I would train, I would train 34, I would train about 36 hours a week at my retro. And then I would go to the Bronx on no, no, I'm sorry, 34 hours a week at my retro. And then I would go to the Bronx on Saturdays and train for two. So I was doing 36 hours a week, almost a full-time job. But the stuff that I got from the Bronx from training with KD was something that you couldn't get out of a book. It's experience. It's difference. It's angles. It's knowing how to breathe. 
It's contractions where you didn't even know that you can contract. It's the stretching, the importance of stretching the muscles. It's, it's the tapping of the muscles, the connection that you make with your mind and your muscle. It's not about how much you lift. This is how much you connect to the weight that you're holding, the respect that you have to the, to the weight. The reason for nutrition, the reason for water, the reason for rest, the reason why you break the body down in those in those days. It was so much more. He showed me so many things, the camaraderie of bodybuilders and the support that we give each other because we are all in there just breaking ourselves down to rebuild ourselves a little bit better. And I learned so much. I learned so much. I was so I was so humbled by the experience. It made me it, it made me such a great trainer. I didn't even know it then. I didn't even know what was actually developing out of this. Out of this, I thought I was going to get a nice body and do a show and possibly get a trophy. I didn't know. I didn't know what the real reward was in the end. And the real reward at the end is Stice Life, is who I am today, is the one that can't stop at nothing, is the one that I've cried during sessions because of pain. I've seen, my coach uh, used to call it, we're about to meet Jesus. I've seen Jesus on a Saturday, on a leg day. It was, it was so much. The day of my competition, which was in 2017, it was over the, uh, I want to say, in June, in Brooklyn. Uh, the MPC Grand Prix. Pricks, yeah. I walked in there. It was early. I remember we met. Uh, I actually slept at my coach's gym. And uh, we drove into Brooklyn, um, me and two other guys. And we got there real early. We got there about like around 7.30 a.m. Um, to do the pre to do the weigh-in, which was around like 8.39. Um, now, let me tell you, six months before when I started my, my prep, I was 260 pounds that I thought I was at 10%. I was really at 16% at 260 pounds, that which was no 200, yeah, 60 pounds, which was good, but not great. It was not. And that's why I thought I was going to be bodybuilding. That was just way too heavy. I didn't really have that much conditioning in the muscles. The vascularity wasn't there. Um, when I got on stage that, that day, uh, the, uh, the weigh-in, I was 228 pounds. I was at 3% body fat. I was, I looked, if not better than Superman. At 6'5", 228 pounds, rock chiseled, 3%. I was like, fuck, I look good. But I felt like shit. A lot of people don't know this. When you get down to that competition day, when you're down to those single digits and, and body fat and you look incredible, those bodybuilders that look incredible, they hate their lives because mentally everything is, is fucked up. Your hormones are fucked up. Everything you're eating is fucked up. You haven't drank water in a day. You're hurting. You're down so little in fat that you barely have any... Um, fat underneath your feet so your bones are really what's grinding on the ground it, it's just horrible you got this uncomfortable sticky tan um you got a number and you're just waiting to be called up so that you can go and show these people 
what you look like so that you can you can quickly after prejudging you can go and get some carbs in so that you can come back i mean it's a whole fucking day that you're there and you're not eating nothing you're just suffering it was hilarious and and miserable at the same time because when you walk in there all the sponsors are there they got a big thing of pizza boxes so all you can smell is pizza and you're just dying but anyway I, uh, you know, did my prejudging, and uh, after that, there was a fish market right across the street, so we went over there, I had some tilapia and rice, and God, that felt good. But when I came back to prejudging, Chigo and my coach gave me a little goodie bag. They're like, this is for when you go back out there, and, you know, you do your your routine and um, whatever, and your post. And I was like, okay. I had my resistant band, I pumped up, and I get back there, and I look at inside the little goodie bag inside the goodie bag was a coconut Ciroc and uh, Sour Patch Kids. And I was like, what? So I went back over to them. and was like, why? Why alcohol? And why? Why sugar? And they turned around and told me, I'm like, that's why bodybuilding is a science. And these guys just know a lot more than what you think they know. And I was like, well, you're going to have the the two ounces of Ciroc, of vodka, because what it's going to do, it's going to thin out your blood, so it's going to make you more vascular on, on stage when you pump up. It's going to push out your veins to the surface, so you're going to look even more vascular. Since your blood is thin, it's going to run through, and you know you're low body fat, so it's going to look insane. Now, the Sour Patch Kids is for carbohydrates. It's going to spike your insulin levels, making you look even bigger. So when you pump up, you're going to be double the size. And then the alcohol is going to trigger the blood flow. And you're just going to look insane on stage. And I was like, are you fucking serious? They're like, yeah, when you're down to this, this point, this body fat, little things like that can make big changes. And I was like, okay, dope. I was interested. Let me tell you, when I did that and I got on on stage, it was the best feeling, even though I felt like shit. It was the best feeling that I ever had because I was so fucking confident. I was hard. I was pumped. I was jacked. I was feeling it. The guy, I'm also 6'5". The guys that were I was competing, competing with on stage were all shorter than me, so my elbows were up to their shoulders. I just felt like the Incredible Hulk up there. I didn't end up winning the competition, but I did end up um, placing third, which which gave me the ability to nationally qualify for a national uh, competition. So if you don't win, you don't get invited. If you do place within three of the places, you get invited and you can do uh, a national. You have a year to compete nationally so that you can possibly get your pro card. Um, so I did. I got uh, The reason why I got disqualified, because I really do think I could have won that competition, but I mean, it, it was, I wasn't, I was a rookie. Um, I got, I caught a cramp on my, uh, left top abdominal when I was doing a side chest pose, I, I contracted too hard. And when you're, when you're that dry, meaning you don't have that much water in you, you can possibly fall into, uh, getting a cramp. So I got a cramp and I stiffened up and my muscle popped out. So it made me move and I wasn't holding my um, pose. So I lost points for that. But overall, I looked better than everyone on stage. Um, 
And then anyway, I fixed it right after one of the guys on my team gave me a potassium pill and I downed it and that was that. Anyway, after the competition, I also got to meet Juan Diesel, which was very cool. Um, after the competition, that's when things really changed for me. Because literally, uh, the day after, I had all, you know, like the experience and everything of the competition was great. But the training, the all those sessions everything that I have done stayed with me. And that's something that I tell every one of my clients. You guys look at this training thing as, oh my God, it's so expensive. Oh my God, you're a hundred dollars an hour. Yeah, I'm a hundred dollars an hour, but think of it this way. I'm a hundred dollars an hour of all the fucking knowledge that I've accumulated up until 37 years. That's very cheap. And this information that I'm giving you for that one hour, you're going to keep for the rest of your life. It ain't like a cheeseburger that you buy at a, at a, at a joint and it's gone and you're never going to get it back. This information never leaves you. It still hasn't left me. And it's only made me better. And I'm continuously trying to learn more. You know, There's so much more information out there on the internet and also in books. That people, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't look at it that way. I was like, oh, I'm wasting time over here. Actually, no. I'm making more money by taking in more information. I'm increasing my hourly rate by knowing more. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what kind of really frustrates me about that. But it's to your own benefit, and it's, uh, it's also their loss. But anyway, um, I realized that I wanted to go back into training. I wanted to help people. I wanted to do more things. So I went back and I uh, started training at a, at a 24-hour fitness in uh, Hasbrook Heights. Uh, it was funny. They reached out to me because they saw my social media. They thought it was funny. I used to have these segments called I'm Always Watching. Anyway, I went back over there and when they saw me I looked insane because I you know you after your competition you pretty much turn into a sponge and you just you soak up all that all that mass and everything I went back to being 243 pounds but I looked insane because the abdominals were there the vascularity was there so they saw me they're like fuck yeah he's a he's our trainer Anyway, started training out of there and my social media started picking up because I was doing segments and doing all that thing. And then I started calling it Stice Life. And I really started thinking about what I wanted to do with that and what it really meant. I didn't want to just be called Stice for people putting people out cold because that's not cool. I wanted to think of a really good acronym, what I stood for, what, what I was about. And so it, it took me a day, but I came up with it. And STICE stands for Strategy, Transformation, Important Criteria, Embodied Life. Because it is your life. And once you embody that, that's it. So STICE Life. And then I had my slogan. You got to stay, stay focused. Stay positive. STICE Life. And then what I always do, boom, because I'm going to hit you with it. If you didn't get the words that I was saying, I'm going to wake you up with that boom so you can remember what I said. And so um, I went into training at 24, did really well. And 
the only thing is back in the day before the pandemic and all of that, the training community working for a commercial gym was cool and all, but it, uh, you made no money. So 24 hour fitness, I got up to the master level over there. I was a master trainer and I was making 29, 99, it was 30 bucks an hour. Uh, you know, that's before taxes and, uh, you know, it sucked, which it made me upset. I'm like all this stuff, you know what I mean? They, the gym charges 120 an hour to, to train with me. Hello? So I had to pause because um, I had to go get my daughter. But <clears throat> back to what I was saying, I'm going to add this seg- this one uh, onto the last uh, podcast, which is called Why Stice Life, right? So um, from there, I knew I wanted to get into training, and uh, I worked for 24-Hour Fitness, and, you know, it was going great, but, like, that's what I was talking about, like, fitness industry, you know, they take so much money. So, um, 24 hour fitness was charging $120 to, to train with me for an hour, um, which is it's a lot, but I only get $30 of that. That's how much the industry was robbing commercial gyms was robbing from trainers. They were making them work all this, putting all that, all that effort and everything, but only getting nothing. And it sucks. It sucks. Back in the day, it was just it was just garbage, you know. Before this is before um, these big Instagram names were just coming out and stuff like that, and everyone became a trainer, you know, because that's what it is now. Everyone's a trainer on Instagram. As long as you got an ass and muscles, you're a trainer, or at least you think you are. Um. Anyway, so <clears throat> I saw it as like I need to make more money now that I know that I'm good. Now that I know. What I want to do, um, this is not right. Um, it has, it has to happen somehow. So I started. I always, even in bartending, when I would do, it, I'd always have fun with Craigslist. You know, I'd always go on there and just search up some crazy jobs. Not even in Jersey. I would always look out in Miami and in uh, New York and LA and even in Charlotte because I lived there for a little while. Just to just, just to, to see to surprise me. Maybe some some somebody would just get crazy and uh, offer something crazy. I just never knew. It was like uh, playing the lottery, you know. It was exciting at times. So I saw there was actually uh, a job position for a group fitness instructor over at this gym called 20, uh, Achieve 24 Hour. Kind of funny because they, they still had the 24 hour. Their, their, their logo was kind of similar too. And so I went over there, the owner of there. And you know what? I don't even mind saying his name because the guy is so, they know him over there in Elmwood Park all over and they do not like the guy. His name's Ben. Not to bad mouth him, but he's not a good person as well. Um, at that time, I didn't know it. You know what I mean? So um, I got the job by this guy named Drew. He was the... Uh, he was a fitness manager over there. He, he brought me in, told me that they were doing these classes over there. And uh, the classes that they were really doing, it was more of a CrossFit gym. It was a HIT program. And so a lot of the, the movements were very heavy and, 
and hard on the joints. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to, I'll start learning and I'll, I'll take down the classes. You know, I was like, okay, let's do this. And the group classes at that time were about eight people to a class. And uh, majority was women. There was some men in there, maybe like one or two. Everyone was um, overweight or, you know, they were, they were a little older. We would say 40s up to 60s. Um, so these movements just were not, they, they weren't, they weren't uh, beneficial to them in any way. Not only were they hard to execute, but just for their body, it wasn't a good time. Not that they couldn't do it, just not at that time. They needed to really get in the cardio, really get in some some time under tension, really do something different. And the owner was just never there at that time. And he's the one that really enforced the program. And so I asked the guy, Drew, the manager, I said, hey, look, man, uh, I want to switch it up a little bit. I want to make it into stations. I want to do it under time. I want to add some different music. I just wanted to have fun, you know, kind of throw in my flavor of bodybuilding into this class. And he was just like, Yo, dude, I don't care. As long as we're doing good in classes, as long as everything is going well and we're making money, we'll make Ben happy. And I was like, okay. So then I started right there. I didn't know it, but it was actually the Slice Life program right there. I put out nine stations at that time. Three to a station um, was the thing. And, you know, it was only eight people. Then it got up to 10, and then it got up to 15, and eventually it went up to 25 people in my class. And I was doing stations under time, all these cool exercises. I was so excited about building the class before the people walked in because they had tires and everything and boxes and everything so that people can walk in and be like, what the fuck are we doing today? This crazy motherfucker has us doing some crazy shit. And I couldn't wait. Hold on one second, Mike. Uh, guys, my son's pulling up right now. Sorry, where was I? All right, so um, so yeah, so I made these classes that built up to 25 people, and then I started building a format. I started building a class program. I started, things started making sense, and uh, I was just like, okay, this is this is working. This is good, and it started booming to the point where the class, the the gym was only making about. I think they were doing about somewhere around like 30 grand a month because they had a lot of members and, you know, it's been there forever. And it went to up to 60,000 a month because over there they were charging people all different types of membership fees. But the initial fee was about uh, 200, I think it was, or no, no, 100 and, 130. Some people even paid 240 so I don't even know, a month. So they were making so much money off of these classes. I renegotiated my, um, my contract um, to make more money. Then the owner stepped in and wanted me to start teaching him the format. And I, I taught him the format and showed him exactly what I was doing. And he said, no, 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 I would never work. And he didn't like it. He wanted me to go back to what I was doing. So sucked i had to go back to doing his classes for about two weeks funny thing is with that owner is he's the type of person that likes to take in take your ideas and then sit on them and then 
try and turn him into his own and then say, hey, it was his idea. So in those two weeks of me uh, doing his format, uh, he came back to me and goes, like, hey, I got this brilliant idea for this new format. I'm going to call it uh, Base and Endurance and all these things. He wanted to name it a whole bunch of different things. And it was my workout just with his stupid names and he wanted to be more involved with it and, and all that. And I was just like, geez, Louise. So then I was just like, okay, fine. And then we were running the program, my program through, through his, his stupidity, stupid names. But, um, I just got tired of it, man. Cause you know what? He was trying to tell me to do things and not do things. Then he was jumping into my classes and it was just, you couldn't, you can, it was the workout, but it wasn't complete. And incomplete, and, and the complete workout is me with the energy, talking shit in your ear, giving you life experiences that I have had and, and just doing all those things. And he wasn't allowing me to be me. So I really was just starting to, to just not feel happy. And at that, at that very moment, that's when someone reached out to me on Instagram. It's funny how that works. It keeps happening. Someone reached out to me on Instagram. This guy by the name of Dan, he had this little studio out in um, Woodland Park that he wanted me to check out. So he was like, no one uses this classroom. And if you want, you can start your own business and doing it. And I was like, okay. And at that time, I had my friend uh, Mike from originally 24 Hour Fitness. I forgot to tell you guys. But I got him the job over there at uh, Achieve 24 because he was good at marketing and getting more people. So we were a team already, working with each other for already now, moving on um, two years. And so I was like, screw it. I'm like, let me ask Mike if he wants to do, uh, check this place out. And you know what? We can we can run a business together. After showing Mike and all that, we came to the decision that we were going to do that. And we named it Focused Fitness, you know, under my slogan, Stay Focused, you know. It just made sense. And right after that, I ended up giving my two weeks and got into a pretty bad argument with the owner because he was like, you're never going to amount to anything. Your business is going to fail, all this crap and blah, blah, blah. But um, here we are today and Stice Life Fitness is doing well. We're now in Saddlebrook, New Jersey, starting on Monday for my free promo. I'm doing five classes a week. Couldn't be happier Um now because it is a program i don't take any other program and, and take the name that name stays i actually bought the name of Stice life because that's what it is and that's my program so you guys someday see it in your gym you'll know what what it is what i want for Stice life uh, fitness is to be a name just like boot camp i want you to walk into the gym and be like i'm gonna take a Stice life class i'm gonna take a boot camp class i'm gonna take a hit class I'm taking a Stice Life class, and that's what I want, and that's the goal. And, uh, and yeah, so I'm excited. I'm glad you guys are listening, and now you know why Stice Life is Stice Life. And for that, stay focused, stay positive. Stice Life, boom.